Welcome to Culture Radar, Australia's leading smart safety culture platform. Do you want to transform your safety culture from your Achilles heel into your competitive edge? Stay tuned to find out how, as Dr. Gary Marling shines a light on important safety issues as he interviews globally recognised safety experts and talks about why an appropriate safety culture is vital to you and your organisation. Are you putting your people at the centre of safety? Find out now. Mark, thanks very much for coming down to, to have a chat to us. Um, coffee and culture. and, <laughs> and um, let's, uh, let's start off with you telling us a little bit about your, your business. It's um, Investigation Differently, which is a, an interesting name. <laughs> I understand that you, um, it comes from the roots of the Safety 2 movement or theme, as I, as I call it. Yeah. So you can just give us a broad outline about um, your, your company and what it does. So our company uh, helps organisations improve uh, the outcomes from their incident investigations. And uh, we do that by using, um, the based on the principles of human organisational performance, safety in one and two, safety different, uh, safety differently, uh, just restorative culture. So basically we, you know, we offer services in training or mentoring, uh, we also, you know, help help them go and help them do the investigation. So if they need us to invest uh, to do an investigation for a serious incident, or we can mentor their people through it and and, and guide them and, and help with a guided investigation as well. So, but it's based on it's based on uh, actually truly identifying the systemic issues that exist um, in a, in an event in a different way that traditional linear type investigations are quite often miss actually quite often miss yeah. so that's that's what we do right oh, probably yes. done you injustice because i just spoke about safety too but all those other things you're pulling in as well into your process oh, oh definitely because it it has to be based on like we need to understand the principles of human organizational performance it's no point an organization going down this path if they don't actually believe that humans make mistakes um, and that and those blockages to learning because at the end of the day, um, an investigation is about learning, learning what what uh, what may have gone wrong in that particular time point in time, but also learning all the issues and the context and the conditions that surround just the work itself. So because those those things are there, hundred percent of the time, it's just that point zero zero one percent when something goes wrong that they suddenly thought, oh, let's have an investigation, and they think that that. The findings or what they might find out of that is applicable to 99% of the work, and that's actually not the case. So, quite often, the systemic issues, the true systemic issues, get missed because they don't, they, they just focus on just the, that very linear um, timeline of the event itself. Mm -hmm. Oh, great. Um, so, now that we've got a bit of an understanding of, of what you do, um, and I think the key thing that came from that is to, to actually get some sort of learning out of the investigation as well. Can you tell me how um, getting that full holistic learning um, impacts on an organisation's culture? This is, yeah, so investigations generally um, are, are, are a significant driver in the culture of an organisation, I find, in my experience. Um, how, how, how an organisation... Um, re responds to an, an incident occurring uh, or an unwanted event, um, how they respond to that um, drives the culture of an organisation. So, uh, well, can be a contributor, so it's not a soul, obviously, uh, but it's a contributor. So if they have a blame culture in their investigation, so 
you know, a, a typical investigation. I've seen it so many times, it, it drives me it drives me nuts, where they'll blame the worker didn't follow a procedure. Um, therefore, we blame the worker for not following the procedure and we stop there. So what are we going to do? We're going to retrain the worker in the procedure and then we might write them up or discipline them as well. Have they learned anything? Not a thing. Will it stop it from happening again? Not a chance. So what, what, what does the worker learn if they're blamed? The worker learns not to, not to get blamed again. Maybe not report it. And how do they get not blamed? They don't report it. Uh, I, I recently did a survey. Um, it was only small. It was only about um, 37 organisations. Um, it was a quick, quick survey. And most of them um, agreed that they thought they had a strong um, safety culture, reporting culture in their organisation. Yet about 80% of those same organisations reported they were aware of at least one unreported incident in the previous 12 months. You can't have it both ways. You know, I think that's a, I think for any, any, um, and like there's a whole, and, and, and there's, you know, there's a whole lot of ways that companies attempt to, to survey their people, um, pulse surveys and things. One of the questions I really like to ask, and not in a survey sense so much as I, I don't do that too much, it was just an organisational thing I put out there for a, a speaking engagement. It was more about uh, when I'm one on one with groups and with working, working in the field with people that do the work, and I asked the question. You know, are you aware of an incident that wasn't reported in the last 12 months? And it's almost 100% yes. Uh, especially in the large organisations, it's always 100% yes. Yet when I go to management, uh, we're talking about, you know, what they think their culture is or their reporting culture. Um, the Brady Review, um, Brady talked about a reporting culture. I'm not sure where he got it from, but anyway, um, as a measure of safety. But it, but. Said, that's got to be addressed. They all said they had a great reporting culture. Well, do you? Like, have you asked the question? Um, you know, have you set up the, the environment in your organisation to encourage people to report? So if you have a... So that's how, you, you know, the, the, the organisation ceases learning because they hide things, or they, they might be able to hide the event, but they'll certainly hide some of the circumstances if they think they're going to get blamed because no one wants to get blamed. Um, they're already kicking themselves, firstly, for, for being involved in one, but no one wants to get blamed. So that can really damage um, a, a company's culture um, by having a blame environment. Mm. So that's probably the strongest thing that I see. I guess um, I guess that links closely with uh, the elements that uh, Sydney Decker brings up, is uh, having a just culture. Yeah, and, um, and you've already mentioned the reporting culture. I think Sydney was probably one of the first ones to, to talk about the aspects of that. Yeah, but um, they all have an impact on each other from a um, a holistic safety culture point yeah. of view. It's probably part of what we call um, um, good practice elements. Yeah. So you know, Sydney talks about a just restorative culture, um, and he talks about um, he's talked about the fact that when there's a Especially when he was doing a work uh, with the NHS in, in England, um, and there were, you know, the, you know, the Tipton case and things like that, where there'd be there's a victim, which might be the, you know, especially in healthcare, um, with the, the person, you know, that might have passed away or received, um, or the care um, didn't have the outcomes they wanted. But there's also the people involved in that care the second are, victim. are the yeah. second victim, and that's where you know I've seen companies that uh, someone will be involved in it. So they stand them down. 
off you go. You go home and sit there and worry about your job. Um, I've seen where that person's been hurt and stood down. So they're hurt twice. They're hurt twice. It just, and, and then the best person to explain what was happening is unavailable to you to learn from because they've sent them home. So, again, what does it do? What, is, what did the workmates do? Oh, you know, hide the injury because that way you don't get stand, sent home. You know, you can't get blamed if you hide. If they don't know about it, what they don't know won't hurt us. And that's a horrible thing to think about from an organisational point of view, especially when managers need the best information to make good decisions. Uh, and that just doesn't happen in that sort of, in that sort of cultural environment. A lot, of, um, a lot of people talk about the fact that we know what our safety culture is. And then when you chat to them, it's quite apparent that they can't really put their finger on, on, on what it is. So in terms of measuring your safety culture, um, I want to talk to you about how important that might be, your thoughts on measurement, because if you don't understand your culture, you can't shape it the way you want it to be so that your business objectives and safety objectives are met and making sure that they're actually aligned as well. I think, um, I think, I think the biggest issue is they don't know what culture is. Um, they can't define what, what, A, what a culture is. I do, have, I do have an issue with the term um, safety culture as a standalone because I, do we have a production culture? Do we then have a supply culture? Do we have a human resource culture? Um, you know, if we have a culture of blame, it's not just going to affect people in safety, it's going to affect, it's going to affect production. So if someone's the production numbers up, oh, we'll blame. I think so, some of it might stem also is that, you know, that old hangover from the Westminster system where we've got ministerial accountability and, you know, someone injures himself, you know, at the, at the, at the, at the coalface um, and yet the manager gets the blame who's four layers removed. Um, and so I, I just don't understand, I, and, I, and I challenged some, um, some uh, academics from Griffith Uni uh, last year, um, and they couldn't answer um, what the difference between, what, to how many cultures does an organisation have. Um, but as we discussed, I think yeah, there's an overarching culture and there's perhaps some subsets. But I think um, you can't have a good safety culture. You can't have just one good culture in the organisation because I don't think it works that way. I don't think people differentiate because although we may differentiate, uh, although some people may differentiate between safety, production, work and that, they don't. They just, them just work. So um, measuring culture is an interesting thing. I think um, in terms of the, the safety space, we've got to be careful. If we, if we measure culture on just um, the absence of incidents, then it's sort of like, well, we, we can hide the incidents. Does that make we have a good, you know, does that mean we have a good safety culture? Look at the birds trying. Um, not even hide them. You might just be lucky. Well, you might just be lucky. Um, you know, look at, and companies rely on the birds trying. It's like, well, it's not even, um, it's not even correct. But it's, but the, the symbolism was there about weak signals. Um, but yeah, they they just you know they focus on these things and it just drives. Uh, the, yeah, are we good or are we lucky? It hides things. So I just like so measuring on the absence of incidents. I don't think we can do that. I don't think we can measure on reporting. I think. We need tools that actually delve more psychological into the into the into the um, psychological aspect and the psychological culture of a company. Um, maybe that's what we should be calling it: the psychological culture of a company. I don't know. Um, 
But yeah, I think I think I know there's risks. I know where the risks are in some of the measures used. Um, the other risk, the other risk, I think, is we have um, people who um, like a lot of organisations will put out surveys. Are they psychologically founded? Are they making sure that the question sets they're using don't direct the the, the person answering that survey to a certain response? Um, there's a great um, video clip uh, or a, video, a great scene from Yes Minister. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Uh, have a look at that. It'll probably be on YouTube where they talk about um, a survey about uh, national conscription or national service. And uh, they say, um, and it's just an example of how you can, and I won't go with the whole clip, obviously, but yeah, just by that, depending upon what the questions you ask, the preceding questions, the last question's the same. Are you in favour of national service? Yes, the preceding questions are the right way, you'll get a no. Yes, the preceding questions the other way, you'll get a yes. Um, so I think we've got to be careful with some of those survey tools to make sure that they have a good foundation and, um, and get the right result. Um, I think probably one of the best ways to, to get in and understand a culture um, as opposed to measure it is probably just uh, um, embedded learning. Actually being in the field with the people doing the work and observing and talking, creating trust. Mm -hmm. Without trust, you're never going to get the right, you're never going to get the truth. So I think um, ethnographical learning is probably one of the best, best ways to actually understand a culture. How do you measure it? Oh, maybe that's your... Maybe that's your expertise, <laughs> not mine. Um, it, it is. It's something we do. And I, I, and I like the fact that you bring up getting embedded in the organisation. Um, you really do get a deep, rich learning of uh, how things are done. And that's a part of you know, culture. Yeah. Um, but it takes a lot of time and time is money. So there's so other ways. Of, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. looking at the, the artefacts within the organisation that are uh, observable. Yeah. And then the next level level down is getting people's implicit knowledge about yeah. the organisation, how things work. So you need that um, yeah. uh, scope of between what's invisible, which is the implicit knowledge, and you yeah. have to go ask about that, yeah. and what's observable, like yeah. the artefacts, and actually embedding yourself and making observations. Yeah. 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 I'm glad you raised that. It's, <laughs> that's good. Not a lot of people think at that level in terms of how can we define the culture. So it's not just surveys alone, yeah. although surveys is a, a good um, economic way to do it, providing yeah. you don't have the bias built in. Yeah, that's it. And the, the actual thing is, is, is the bias is probably the hardest thing. So even in our investigations, bias is the hardest thing. Uh, and I, like I, I, you know, I learned, I, I did things the established way for a lot of years. You know, I, I taught taproot. I taught people taproot. I've been involved in ICAM investigations. I've been... Uh, I've led ICANN's off a lot. Been down that path, and I used and I and I used to have a um, a bias for supervision. And I knew I had a bias for supervision. It didn't protect me from knowing it, even though I had that bias. It didn't protect that outcome. Now, um, with what I've learned and read and understand now, and and, and a bit more experience, I guess, and the age helps, I guess. Um, knowing what I don't, knowing that I don't know what I don't know, um, has enabled me to be genuinely curious. So I think that's one of the keys, um, being genuinely curious. And you, you, it's just, there's no simple answer. If we just grasp the simple answer and say, and culture's one of those things. It's complex. It's not simple. No. And this is the thing, is, you know, talk to clients about culture. So well, what do you want your culture to be? 
first question I ask is that when I start talking about culture, well, what is that culture? And they can't define it. More often than not, they don't know what they want their culture to be. Now, if you don't know what your culture is, what, what you want it to be, then even if you find out what your culture is, how, do you, how can you put any intervention in place when you don't know where you want to go? Right. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's almost like the reverse as well. If you don't know where you are, how are you going to get there too? That, well, it's, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm low to use a journey metaphor because I think it just, like, it's one... Um, I have a bias against the journey metaphor. <laughs> but, yeah, so investigations, biases and surveys, biases, um, you can't get rid of a bias. Like, people... People, um, you know, uh, Drew Ray talks about biases and you cannot remove a bias um, because you have it. You can just acknowledge it and make sure that you fight your bias along every step of the way um, and general, genuine reflection that you have that bias, acknowledge it and then make sure yeah, and try to, every effort to make sure it doesn't play with the outcomes. That's yeah. a disclaimer that should be made on any... Uh any measurement you'd actually do because there is a bias. Okay. Sometimes you don't know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, how many biases are there? Oh, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, I like the fact that you talk about uh, culture being complex. Uh, I, I guess the trick is if you don't overcomplicate it and you don't oversimplify it, you've got to find that, that middle ground in terms of... Uh, um, uh, helping people to understand it. And what we do is, um, is, is part of our measurement process is help, uh, and then the reporting of that is help people understand that it's it's multi-layered. You know? So you spoke, uh, I like the fact you spoke about the organisational culture and there might be subsets, and we see safety as a, a subset in that, but it's also an, a, um, an overarching macro culture, um, which quite often is shaped by geography, you know, where you live. Yeah. Um, your race, your religion, things like that. Yep. Uh, and then it's almost like organisational culture is the frozen layer, like in a management structure, because you've got that macro culture sitting over yep. the top of it, and then you've got the micro cultures, um, yeah. which uh, sit below it as well. Yeah, so, I mean, especially in a diverse organisation, which is like it might be, um, like quite often uh, football teams will talk about culture. But they talk about it as a high performance culture. They don't talk about it. They talk, that's where they, they want a high performance culture, and they, they've got a microism uh, of, of, of a workplace. But you know, I've got a client with um, fifty three workplaces, and some of those have sixty people. Some of those have three, yeah. and so the culture at those places could be wildly different, um, and based on probably the, the culture of the, or the, the bias of the person that's a supervisor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's very difficult to um, to understand that culture uh, and, and shape it or manage it unless you yeah understand all those different elements yeah that, uh, that make up the organisational culture yeah definitely that's good Mark we uh, we tuned into your um, um, uh, video session you ran through the Australian Institute of Health and Safety yeah um, last week or week before uh, fairly recent last week last week yeah. It was great. Yeah, right. yeah. It was great. We really enjoyed it. The, the, the whole team uh, sat there and listened and learned something from it. And one of the things you spoke about that sort of uh, pricked our interest because we hadn't heard about it before is the, the concept of blue line, black line. I'd like you to tell us a bit more about that because the, uh, 
part of the message we took away is it's something that if you can implement and understand and it helps against yeah. a, a blame culture that we already spoke about before. Well, the whole focus of the, of the technique is to shift the thinking from who failed to what failed. So we remove, we remove the blame and really understand what failed. It's really poor. Um, it's, it, it's poor technique just to look at the event. We need to look at the task. Um, so to do that, basically, we call the, the, the procedures the black line. So the, the policies, procedures, the training, that's the black line. It's written in ink, that's why it's black. And it's really work is imagined. So when people write that procedure, it's how they imagine the work's going to happen. Because they're not, they're not, it's not, they're not writing it as the work occurs, they're writing it um, beforehand. So it's, they imagine, they intended, um, and they might have well planned and prepared for it. It might be a really good um, intention, uh, or, but it's never, it can never account for all the variability. So people are complex adaptive beings. So workers come to work to get the job done. Um, so they'll, if you give them a hammer and they need a chisel, they'll use the hammer. Um, if you give them scissors and they need a knife, they'll use the scissors. They just want to get the job done. So how they do a task varies all the time. And, it's, and it's, there's all these trade-offs. So there's trade-offs between safety. Safety production is a trade-off. Workers will only be as safe as they need to be until they're not. So they'll trade off on safety. They'll trade off on uh, this production pressure. And this, that term perceived production pressure does my hitting because it is production pressure. We have to produce that's just otherwise an organisation's out of business. So there's always some form of production pressure. It doesn't matter what anyone says. Um, there's resource constraints. Not, they don't have the right equipment, tools, people call in sick, and all those things affect how the work is done all the time. Those are where the systemic issues lie. Because if the issues are there all the time, if we just fix the linear one without the context, then we, are, we only have a, have a chance at fixing those. But if we understand the broad range of the work, we understand all the issues that the, the workers are facing, not just when things are good, but when things are bad, uh, when things go really well, we can look, oh, hang on, that goes really well. We should improve it. So if we identify all those issues around the work, the good and, and the not so good, or the well and the not so well, um, and we can improve those conditions, it improves morale because workers know they're going to come with the right tools for the job, the right the, the resource constraints will be minimised. Yeah, they still might have to adapt, but we've done everything we can as an organisation to assist them, and we've listened to them because they're the ones that are telling this. So one of the key things is people involved in an event, we bring them in. I want to learn from you and I'll, or everyone else that does that task. So the, the workers feel engaged, listened to, valued, and that all contributes to the morale, which contributes to the culture of the organisation. So... It's, it's learning about the normal work, not just this linear function. Um, typically with those sort of investigations, and it doesn't matter if it's you know ICAM or Taproot or whatever it is, they, they, it's directed outcomes. They give you a book and you know what you look for, you'll find. Whereas with uh, the blue line investigation or the blue line black line investigation, you're actually just looking for everything, good and bad. So and that's really important. So um, I think it, the outcomes in terms of culture Work for organisations successfully implement this um, will have a, a, an effect actually on the people on the shop floor doing the work. Yeah. So that's where work is done, as done, versus those that uh, imagine work as it should be done. Yeah. And then sitting in between, we write up and yeah. we think it should be done. That's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so it's just it's bridging the gap, identifying those issues, 
and then doing something about them. And not based on some book or some chart, it's based on risk to your business. Yeah. A dynamic um, environment where things change. That's right. Rather than a procedure that's written up it's for all a static. Yeah, exactly. The messy conditions. Let's get them. Let's get the messy conditions because work, like culture, is very complex. So, and to, and to simplify it down to work within five procedure, well, you're not going to learn anything there. No. That's great. Now that gives us a very good insight into that uh, that tool, blue line, black line, and how, it, uh, how that would help in terms Thanks. of the blame culture. Thanks. Yeah. Mark, thanks very much. Been very interesting talk. Excellent, thank you. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having me. So we can see how coffee and culture well, <laughs> although yours is a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. Well, it's one of my vices. One of many. <laughs>